here we are again, uh, lunch hour with Renault. Indeed. Yes. Renault, thanks for taking a little time to spend with us today. So excited to be here. Um, we had a great time this weekend at Mosaic uh, yeah. as we've been traveling through the book of Ephesians, and uh, we just continued to see uh, this incredible uh, picture of um, one new unified people that God is making in Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said some really uh, helpful things and uh, got some good questions after mm -hmm. uh, the gathering was over. And yep. so we're going to actually launch into uh, a bit of a discussion today um, that, that stems out of the passage that we've been traveling through this week. So what I want to do to get started, uh, let's read through the passage. Yeah. And, and, uh, and before we do that, just to, you know, just a reminder, I think, um, for all those that are encountering this space with us, part of the reason why even we made the decision to jump into unity this week, uh, we don't always just come out of a sermon, sometimes we're doing topics, but uh, what, what, I, what we're really trying to do with this space is to say, in, in, typical, in a typical week, what kinds of things am I encountering in two or three people uh, that may be uh, questions lingering in 50 people, but there's not 50 people that I can talk to either in the lobby afterwards or over coffee. Exactly. So this is coffee to talk to a broader scope of what's probably on the mind of many people because two or three have brought the question up. So this week's right. a perfect example of that. I got a couple of questions in the lobby after each gathering about the sermon in terms of what we're going to deal with today. And I just thought to myself, this would be a great space to, for us to talk mm -hmm. here so we can all have that cup of coffee, if you will. Yeah, so, and how, yeah. Fun, how fun is it that we get to um, be able to spend a full hour together yeah. discussing this, yeah, um, absolutely. you know, rather than just taking a couple Five minutes, minutes in the lobby. With, yep. with one or two people. You got it. So yep. uh, what a cool space. So as we jump in uh, together today, I want to start with the passage just as a reminder of where we've been in Ephesians. And then you can kind of maybe recap a little bit of what sure. you talked about on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then we'll jump into some specific questions yep. that come out of that. Yep. So uh, verse 8 of chapter 3, Paul says to me, Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for all ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized that has uh, he has realized uh, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Yeah. So. Uh, still a mind-blowing passage to me. Um, wow. Uh, but we covered a lot of ground, obviously, over the weekend. Go right. podcast the sermon if you, if you didn't hear it. Uh, we're not here to recap the sermon. Sure. The specific place I want to point to that then begged the questions that I got is uh, verse 10. And it says, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So what we talked about there was that God is displaying his eternal plan, if you will, of redemption to all of creation. So, so let's just assume God is doing that, right? Even in creation itself, God created to display his invisible qualities and character. Mm -hmm. And so all of this is about the glory of God being displayed and us knowing God. So God is now 
displaying to all of creation the reality of his redemptive work. And what he's saying in this verse, which is mind-blowing, is that though through you or me, like he did in verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and in 10 specifically, through you and me, when I live out the gospel, the world watches me and sees Jesus in me and his redemptive work in me, and then they know the gospel, right? So I both preach it and live it. Right. But what he's saying here is, when the church, in other words, the communal expression of God's people, when the church lives the way God has now uh, uh, created for them to live in his redemptive work, then that doesn't just display God's glory and wisdom and redemption to the world. Right. Though it does do that. Right, right. It displays it to the cosmos. Like, yeah. like this is God's sermon to all of creation, yeah. to the angels, the demons, the, the rulers and authorities in heavenly places, the earth, everyone. Everyone's watching, and this is, this is God's sermon. And here's what he's saying. Do you, do you know what my illustration is in my sermon as to do you see my power? Do you see my manifold wisdom? Do you see the mystery that I've been up to all the time? It is your reconciliation. Hmm. So not just you as a church, but your reconciliation, because the theme of Ephesians is this idea of reconciliation and renewal. And so it is our reconciliation to God right. as an individual. Yeah. And then the, the immediate consequence of that is when I'm reconciled to God and you're reconciled to God, regardless of our differences, whether yeah. they are personality, ethnicity, uh, man, woman, whatever it might be, that suddenly we are reconciled to each other because we are reconciled to God. And so what he's saying is, just as your reconciliation with God displays my redemptive work as it sanctifies you, in other words, makes you more like me, mm -hmm. your reconciliation to each other as a result of that reconciliation displays that redemptive work to all of the cosmos. Wow. Yeah. And we see that realized, remembering that God is the one that actually does this work, in Revelation when John is standing in Revelation, yeah. and he turns around uh, in Revelation 7, I think, and he says... I saw before me a great multitude mm -hmm. from every tribe, tongue, and nation yep. worshiping God in unity. Yeah. So the good news is this is going to be realized. It's not God saying this, gosh, I hope you all unify because right. if you don't, my manifold wisdom won't be made known to the world and no one will know who I am. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. In the end, when this is all done and I've made all things new, this is the vision you're going to see from every tribe, tongue, and nation. You humans will be unified in your clarity and worship of me and with each other. Now, in the meantime, since I've already reconciled you to me through the work of Jesus, behave that way. Right. It's, it's almost like a, both a calling and an invitation. You should assume that since I've redeemed you and I've redeemed your brother or sister, in other words, this other human, that you too should now work at pressing into each other instead of uh, tolerating the separation that is naturally there with the walls of hostility that we humans put up against each other. And in the passage we preached a couple weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about those walls of hostility that at one time they were actually a divide God created between the Gentiles and the Jews for the sake of demonstrating his people versus not when a human knows God or doesn't. Right. But after Jesus came, what did he say? Broken those walls down. are broken down. So if they are walls now, they are not of my doing, they are of your doing and they are not of me, so you need to break them down. Okay, so we got all of that. Yep. The point then is, what, what, I, what I said this weekend was, so as believers in Jesus, if I'm a believer in Jesus and you're a believer in Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus, 
then regardless of our hostility toward each other, regardless of our differences, regardless of our unique backgrounds or opinions or preferences or whatever else, they are, those are important, we can talk about them, but regardless of them, we press into each other to know each other, to reconcile, to break down hostility, to work through things versus doing what the world does, which is if I stay far enough away from you or I ignore you or I pretend with you and we're just, we're just uh, uh, polite with each other, like that's not an option. Why, why not? Because our invitation is to be a cosmic sermon to all of the cosmos about God's yeah, manifold that's wisdom. Much, that's not much of a sermon. Just, <laughs> that's not much of a sermon. Just being polite to one another. And, and, and so we, we got to press in. Hmm. So, so that was this weekend's message. Yeah. Man, we as a church get to press into each other and we as believers, and when I say as a church, and I said this on Sunday, I don't just mean mosaic church, we. I mean we as a people who now know Jesus, those of us that do, get to press into other people who know Jesus, whether they are in our workplace, in our extended or immediate families, yeah. in our homes, our neighbors, what, whatever it might be. So that was the sermon. Right. Then, rightly, as I, as I laughed, several different people kind of pulled me aside and in, in absolute um, beauty said, okay, man, I want to I do that. Right. Lo like, love that idea. Got it in. So a so, couple of questions. One, what if there is a group of people that, whether they be an extended family, co-workers, whatever, Neighbors. and they, they, they say that they are Jesus followers, so let's assume that they are. So I'm not saying they were saying they say they are, but they're not. They, they, they claim to be Jesus followers. We claim to be Jesus followers. So there is hurt or there is pain or there is trauma or there is uh, um, behaviors that are dysfunctional, which welcome to planet Earth and to family and to co-workers and stuff. So there has now been a wall of hostility established for some reason, perhaps past hurts or bad behaviors or whatever. Like actual relational Actual hostility. relational hostility or yeah. there's breakdown relationally. So we have tried to reconcile with them. We have pressed in. And the more we press mm -hmm. in, the more resistance we gain. Or we press in, there seems to be reconciliation, but then the behaviors continue to be dysfunctional or detrimental. So some of the questions were just, we've really tried, but there doesn't seem to be any receptiveness to that. What, what do we do then? Do we just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying? Because that's exhausting and frankly is getting nowhere. Yeah. Or even the larger question, we step in to try, but when we do, we just get more hurt because it's it's hostile back to us. Or yeah. or we get in and then the dysfunctions that caused the problem in the first place continue. So then you start getting into things like our kids are exposed. Or, so so what, do we, a lot what, of what do we do? Come with that, right? And so the question really was, I get the pressing in. I got to do that. What does that mean? What does it mean that I've got to press in? Uh, does it mean no boundaries? Does it mean get walked over over and over again? Does it mean turn the other cheek? Does it mean uh, forgive 70 times seven? Like, uh, uh, is that what all these verses mean? Like I just, we roll in, we roll in and we just get pummeled and pummeled and pummeled. Or is there a place for boundaries? And if so, how is that pressing in and not breaking down and creating unity? So, so that's one question right. that, that came up. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that. Then there was the question that came up that kind of said, it's not all that complication and all that reality. It's just, okay, there's some people that maybe their coworkers or family or whatever, 
there is some hostility. Or maybe I, I had one question about like even in the journey of engaging in people of other uh, ethnicity. And, you know, where do I begin? Like, mm. you know, just roll on in and go, hey, read this passage, supposed to reconcile, uh, love you, like with its coworker. So I have a bit of a tense relationship. And that was the particular question I got was in the context of personality differences. So like, I don't really like, like this person very much. Like it just, so what do you, what do you do with, here's this Christian, I'm a Christian. We don't hate each other, but like, I just like, they, I don't know. They don't like me. I do, do I, do I have to like go to work and just be friends with them. What does unity look like right. among Christians when maybe our personalities don't necessarily click or what, just what am I supposed to do? Where do I start? How do I do it? Do I do it at all? Is it okay to be neutral? And in essence, they're really asking the question, what do we mean by unity? What, what do we like, mean by? What, what does unity yeah. mean and how do I engage because there are thousands of people that yep. I can say, I've got this difference, that struggle, that wall of hostility, yep. all, all yep. of that comes so in. So that's just kind of the general, how do I start? Where do I start? Do I even have to start with this particular category? And then there was a third category, which I didn't get any questions about, but this was actually something I thought about even as I preached, but the preaching wasn't the space for it, is the context of this passage and really this book is, I am, uh, I am dead, uh, separated from God. You are dead, separated from God. He comes and rescues my soul, redeems my future, restores my purpose. I am made alive. So I am redeemed and reconciled to him. Now, because I am, we are reconciled to each other, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so he says, in our behavior that is in unity because of our reconciliation, we display the manifold wisdom of God, okay? When he says to be unified, who exactly does he mean to be unified to? So the question came up, one, just the world in general. So there's this whole world out there of different trains of thoughts and things. Do, do we need to be like, you know, like, a, like an Oprah or an Ellen? Who, who, by the way, I, I think their constant drive toward kindness toward each other and stuff, I love. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, like, yeah. boy, finally some voices that are, but is that the kind of unity we're talking about? Is it just get along with everyone, yeah. judge the, no yeah, one, correct message. no one, talk to, just the, the point is, be okay with everyone and just be nice. And so, that's the general message of our culture is that that's what unity looks that's like. That's what unity is. Like. That we are nice to one another. That's right. That we're okay with one another, that we embrace one another. Embrace we, whatever. We, you be uh, you, I be me. Yeah, we affirm people yeah. in every decision yeah. that they make. Oh, that's kind of the general consensus yeah. and for obviously, what unity looks I like. I want to affirm people and I want to care for people. I want to, but, but there is this, is that what unity means? Right. And, and then with that, within the Christian, sort of more general Christian genre, denominations, theological streams, Catholic, Protestant, or Methodist, uh, non-denominational Episcopalian. Episcopalian, like, yeah, okay, that, that's that's great. Where, what is unity in those categories? Mm -hmm. Where is it not unity? Where do we need to work at? Where do we say, look, we are not in agreement in those spaces, but that does not have to diminish unity, or does it? And if it does, what does that mean? And so, and then questions of like other religions, right? Yeah. So, do do we unify with Muslims, with yeah. uh, Hindus, with Buddhists, yeah. with and so, atheists? That's right. And, and so, with other religions and the people that don't know Jesus. The context here obviously is unity within. So the easy answer is just, well, it's not talking about that. But then the question is, 
Does that mean we don't have to be unified in those categories? Or what What does that mean? So, so really, so, we're asking, what the heck do we mean when we say be unified? Be unified. Right. That's right. So in an hour, I don't know that we'll be able to cover these three sections. But the one probably that I really want to start with is that first one that we talked about, which is uh, I have people in my life. They are Christians. They, they claim to know Jesus. I claim to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make the assumption they are. Um, and we have significant hostility, or they have toward us, or what, whatever the case may be. We've tried to do the reconciling. Every time we do, the patterns continue that are very hurtful or damaging. Mm -hmm. Where are boundaries appropriate? Are boundaries appropriate? If so, how? How does unity work? What within is, that context. Within that context. <clears throat> that, yeah. That's really yeah. where I'd love to start, because that that that's the most, to me, like difficult mm -hmm. of the three questions. These are more like curiosities. Like, oh, okay, this one's like, I, like I'm stuck. Yeah. What, what do I do? Yeah. Where, where do I begin? How does this work? I'm really hurt by them. So do I just like bury my hurt and roll back in? They're not gonna, they're not gonna receive um, my concerns and then ask for forgiveness. And, and they've done a lot of damage. And I, like, so in other words, the question there's, I'm hurt. They don't even, what do we do? Right. Do we, what does unity look like? Yeah. So that that's that's where I'd like to start. Yeah. So when you think about um, some of the some of the practical implications that in general, if we weren't having this conversation in the context of unity, if you, if if you were just sitting down at coffee or at lunch, and somebody from Mosaic rolls in and says, "Okay, Renault, I'm dealing with this." Um, situation in my family. Let's use family. Yeah, we'll just use family. For or, the or, and, and we could either use family, or we could say, "Hey, this is someone within the body of Mosaic Church." Yes. You know, so maybe like we can church roll, family. This is like, church family. Like someone, um, you know, in my maybe we serve in the same ministry, or yeah. someone in my missional yeah. community. Yeah. Um, and you know, for whatever reason, whether it's personality, whether it's just background, whether it's theology behaviors. or behaviors, yeah. or, or, or all of these things, like. Someone's walking in and they're sitting down and they're saying, Renault, I've been, um, I've been struggling. Um, I've been uh, walking in, journeying in life with this person. And we constantly have tension. Yep. We constantly have relational struggle and strife. And we've tried to work through it and we've, we're struggling. Um, what am what are my responsibilities as a follower of Jesus mm -hmm. when I know that if I continue to engage in this, I'm probably going to continue to be hurt. Yep. Um, I yep. can't predict the future. You know, no. Renault, what do I do? So let's start there, yep. kind of take yep. the unity piece off the table for a moment. And let's talk about how do I engage with someone in relational strife when there's hurt and there's pain and there's trauma that is happening, has happened, and continues to happen. Yep. Travel me down that road. Yep. Okay. So um the the first thing that I think is important to understand about the calling and invitation to press into unity is that our assumption is that that immediately requires both of us if we are if there's hostility. In other words, pr the pressing in begins when we are starting to relate. And I would argue the pressing in can begin long before I ever have any kind of interaction or conversation with the person with whom I have or the people with whom I have the issue, right? Okay. The pressing into unity starts internally. Okay. So that suddenly creates a whole new category for are you pressing into unity? If I mean, 
have you got in touch with them, set up a meeting, and are you talking to them? Then yeah. you might say, no, I'm not, or yes, I am, based on that. Right. But if I say, are you pressing into unity? And you say, I am currently hard at work in the spaces internally that have been hurt by this person that have now caused hostility toward them. I'm got a mentor. I'm working through those, whatever. I'm working so through. I may not. Issues of forgiveness. Exactly. I'm, wor I'm working exactly. with Jesus on this. That's right. I am, That's right. I'm in prayer. That's right. I'm learning to, I I'm, I'm thinking about, okay, how can mm -hmm. I ask God to change my heart toward this person? Right. I have found that. internally okay. hostility mm -hmm. toward this person or these people. I may have real reason for it. Like yeah, they've totally hurt me. validated. <laughs> they behave a certain way. They rejected me. That what, what I, I may. Th this is a valid. Let's just assume this is not like in, a valid hurt. Yeah. Right. It's in here, and that hurt has moved from hurt to now fear, hostility, uh, mistrust, all those other words that come. That is the breakdown of unity. Yeah. So actually, oddly enough, hurting me, hurting you, or you hurting me. As unified as we may be, that's going to be part of our journey, right? right? Unity is not undone by us hurting each other. In fact, oftentimes, unity is most beautifully displayed when we have hurt each other because unity means we press in versus pulling out. Mm. So now it's moved beyond hurt. I'm hurt, but now I'm also like, okay, there's hostility. So the work begins internally. So I determine anytime I engage with this person or these people, Within 10 minutes of me trying, they say a bunch of stuff that hurts me. I get bent out of shape. I say a bunch of, like, it doesn't even go well. So any version of reconciliation or unifying just goes south quickly because mm -hmm. I've got hurts, they've got hurts, et cetera, et cetera. So the work, the work of unity within the body can very often begin with me. And so I begin the work of examining where my hostilities exist, where my hurts exist, and I Ask the Spirit of God through the biblical community to work with me in redeeming those spaces. Yeah. So we've talked about here at Mosaic a lot that Jesus's invitation and calling for us to live like him, going and finding unredeemed spaces and redeeming them. Some of those are external, right? Uh, poverty <clears throat> yep. or homelessness or um, a relationship in my family. Yeah. Some of them are internal. They are still unredeemed spaces within me. So Mission, living on mission with Jesus, uh, is both participating in my sanctification and participating in the sanctifying of the world. In other words, the redeeming of the world. My sanctification is God where in my heart are still unredeemed things. Those are both my dysfunctions. I tend to gossip. I tend to struggle with this, that, or the next thing, whatever yeah. it might be. Or where are my hostilities, my hurts, my pains, my traumas from others that are still binding to me. They're not spaces of freedom, right? right? So this is internal work. Internal. Yeah. So the beginning steps. So let's say you were here on Sunday and you heard this sermon and immediately in your mind, there were people. You're like, yep, I'm not unified with those people. Yeah. Maybe they're in the church with you or maybe they're extended family or whatever coworkers, but they're believers. They're people that know Jesus, right? And you're going, oh no, I've tried so often or whatever. The work now begins with you to say, okay, good. I've discovered hostility or fear or that anxiety that says, not okay, not okay. That's where the work begins. And if mm. you're doing that work, that might be six months, might be a year, might be two years. I mean, if they're deep hurts, especially like in extended family spaces, 
that maybe are years in the making or the behaviors that cause those hurts are still behaviors that continue, right? That may take some time to really get yourself in a place where you are free from the hostility toward them. It doesn't mean that you are going to be okay with their behavior. So some family members who do know Jesus are still very hurt or dysfunctional from their pasts and their behaviors toward us is very hurtful and dysfunctional. There may be very appropriate boundaries to set in place. Unity does not uh, suggest no healthy boundaries, nor does unity suggest we have to be best friends, which we'll get to in the next category. Right, right. Unity suggests that I don't think less of you or feel hostility towards you or isolate from you or not or don't see you as a sibling um, as a fellow Christ follower and love you accordingly, hmm. whether I, we have boundaries because of certain behaviors until those behaviors change, boundaries are good. That, that all comes into play. So where does it start? It starts with me first working on me. And I would say this engaging hmm. in the work of reconciliation with family members or church family members or coworkers that are Christians, you don't want to engage in that work until there is some progress or even some sense of completion in your being free from the bitterness and hostility and stuff. Because otherwise, any engagement in that work will take one trigger from them, one thing from them, yeah. and it will it will unravel anyway. Because yeah, the wound is open. The wound is open. Yeah. So work yeah. at the wound. And here's right. what I am saying in this space. If you're working internally at breaking all that down and healing all that, just you and Jesus and the biblical community. And the reason I say biblical community is things like, um, therapists that know Jesus, things like mentors, counselors, you don't do this work alone. Right. Sometimes these hurts run deep and a, and a really good professional uh, person who understands and went to school to understand how trauma affects our body and mind and knows Jesus, that's the biblical community being used by God to help us heal or a good mentor or whatever it might be. Okay, so you're working on that. What I'm saying is that's pressing in. Mm -hmm. The second I start saying this is not okay, I'm gonna work on this. However many months or years that might take, you've started pressing into unity. I'm, I, I would say at that point, you are participating in this passage saying, because I know Jesus and I know that this is how I'm a cosmic sermon, think of it this way. Mm -hmm. If the rulers and principalities in, in high places and heavenly places were looking at you and, the, and watching you and saying, instead of this person saying, I hate those people. I'm done with them. This person saying, I do feel lots of hurt and struggle with them, but I'm going to work on that until I'm free enough from that to engage with them in a way that they won't hurt me and I can potentially create uh, inroads for reconciliation. Then you are a participant in unity. Yeah, because you've, but you've begun the process. You've begun the journey. You said, okay, God, I'm first going to, I'm going to let you work on, on me here. And, and really, you know, when all is said and done, um, much of what God has done on planet Earth and does through the cross and through the work of the cross, it is here anyway. That's right. right. That's um, right. And the rulers and the principalities and the authorities in heavenly places, namely, you know, God Himself, but also the angels, the demons. They're, they're privy to some of what goes on in the spiritual world. Well, clearly, that's what it's kind of saying. That's He's what it's preaching saying. preaching his sermon through and this. this and yeah. this work of the Spirit in me that comes first from God reconciling me to himself and then from then saying, okay, all right, if God could make Joel a 
sinner who I am very familiar with my own dysfunction, yep. my own struggles, reconciled to himself. He's holy, he's righteous and perfect. If the bridge of, of reconciliation is, is Jesus and I've, I'm walking over that bridge, I don't deserve it. This is what Paul has already said, a salvation that I enjoy as a free gift by grace through faith, right? Yep. Then by definition, I have to give that, extend that same grace that has been extended to me to someone who has hurt me. Yes. And someone who is still yeah. walking through their own dysfunction, yes. someone who is still dealing with their own yes. past yes. and trauma and, yes. and reality. And so when we allow, so this is super profound, when we allow God to begin to work on us internally, it yep. then affords us the opportunity to give people who have yep. hurt us, right? Yep a space that's to right. work out. This is why I like it. It really, it, it, it makes my, I'm just in, in awe when I see someone who loves Jesus and knows Jesus extend forgiveness yep. to someone who has deeply hurt them and impacted their life forever. You see this from time to time when yep. a, a murder pictures, yeah. a, a murder takes yeah. place, yeah. right? Something horrible, yeah. right? And and forgiveness is extended toward the murderer by someone who knows Jesus. Yep, that's right. And you're like, how do they do that? Yep. How is that even? I put myself in those shoes, and I'm like, how yep. how could that even be possible? But then I realize the only way it's poss possible is when I know that I've been forgiven yep. much. Yep. I can love yep. much. And then right? and then you get into these scenarios, right? Let's imagine for a second, because I've I've also often in my life, looked at these giant moments of unthinkable things like you just described and gone, man, that's the impossible. And here's what I've come to realize in my life. Let's imagine that that murderer murders someone you love and you forgive them. And then the next week, they murder your next loved one and you forgive them. And then the next week, they murder <laughs> your next loved one and you forgive them. How many times do you do that before you're like, okay, that's what our everyday life is like when we're in relationships with people that are hurting us, right? Right. Um, the first like 26 times that you spoke to me that way or did those things or manipulated or gossiped about me or whatever, now it's three years later. Right. I'm kind of done because your patterns have oh, never yeah. changed. Yeah. That's this category talking about like how do you reconcile with people whose patterns continue to be hurtful and now you are deeply hurt and hostile toward them. You start with the internal work because here's the thing. In this whole entire category, the second our healing and our freedom and our redemption, and I'm talking about in sanctification, not eternal life, but the, sure. the ongoing journey is dependent on another human's actions. We're, we're dead in the we're water. In real I mean, we are in trouble yeah. because humans are unpredictable and they may or may not respond in the ways they should or be forgiving or whatever. Yeah. So there is this beautiful display in scripture that because Jesus is enough, when we work rightly with the spirit of God and the biblical community to find our full identity in Christ through a journey of discipleship, in healing trauma and difficulty and stuff that again might take a month or two years we are becoming free regardless of other people's actions mm. now here here's so let's imagine that works being done so that's what we just talked about that's where right. pressing into unity begins now just a little caution here if you're 26 years into that healing process and i say to you have you have you started the work of trying to reconcile with these people in a new way and you're like I, i'm still doing self-healing 26 years later, I'm like, ah, now we're avoiding. Mm -hmm. So when yeah. I say this and I say it could be a year, it could be two, it could be five. What, what, know that if you're doing the work 
and that becomes your means to not engage in the relationship at some point in the future, that can in and of itself become a that new might be a flag Oh, good, like, Renault didn't mean I have to ever talk to them. I'm going to do a personal work for the rest of my life. Sure. What I'm saying here is if that work is being done at some point, that healing takes place, and then you will feel this tremendous new freedom to engage with them. Now, now let's move from there, because when we move from here, we're still in this category of how do you deal with that, but we're also tapping into the next category. Where do I begin working with people that I'm not reconciled with? Okay, mm -hmm. so let's, let's imagine you've done the work now, a month, a year, whatever, two years, and you have come to a place of much more freedom and healing in your own personal journey, your hostilities toward this person, your hurts, your pains. Jesus has done a great healing. It's not all gone, but okay. Now you're more free to engage with them. There's two things you should consider here in building unity, okay? The first is you may be the only participant in that unity. So that's a great point. Yep. And I want to I want to I want to take from that point and and address this question. Okay. So Yara says what happens when those who have hurt us don't even acknowledge it? Maybe they take a victim attitude and in yep. turn continue the same behaviors that have hurt you in the past and continue hurting you in the present. Then what? Yep. So, 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 so you're addressing that. This is right where now. we're going to go right yeah, now. Yeah. Great question. That's mm -hmm. actually exactly where I go next. Okay. Right. So you start engaging. Now, now you've done some healing, right? From the hurts that have been affected in the past, they're still presently doing that. These are people that say they're believers. So if they're not believers, it's a different category. It's a different thing. Yeah. But they're believers, right? Now you re-engage in that building toward unity. Because you've been healed in some ways, you can engage differently too. So don't underestimate how differently you go into a space when you've really experienced with healing freedom from the, with the freedom. With the freedom. Because then you're really going in with a different attitude. You've prayed for them for months now. Right. You're really going in to see what you need to hear from them. So let's imagine you do that and it's still... There is there, there's no reciprocation of your engagement for reconciliation or unity. In other words, everything she said. Right. They don't see it, they don't understand it, that behaviors continue. What you do then is is twofold as as I see it. You step in and you articulate your heart for unity and reconciliation. It's what you want, but you articulate it not from this is what I need from you in order to see this happen. You're really coming to them to say, this is really what I want for us. This yeah. place we're in is not what I want for us. And I want to work at this with you. So your articulation there isn't like, let's make this right in a 10 minute meeting and move on. It's yeah. I know there's much work to be done. I'm sure I've affected tremendous things. Uh, I'm sharing with you that perceived or real, I have experienced them. I would like to engage in that work with you if if you're up for it. And I'm going to continue to ask for this periodically over the next few months and years until you go, yeah, let's let's do it. So, so now now again, I'm summarizing what might be an hour long meeting, but you're of essentially course, saying, I, I don't want this, right? And and I, I want this, and I've. I, I don't need anything from you. I just, I'm just here to say, I want this. Are you willing to work on this together? I'm willing to work so on this. So you've done the work with God on your you've own. You've done the work with God. You, and you're now much you're more approaching free now. the person and saying, I'm Can, willing to, uh, first yeah. of all, I don't want to continue in this hostility. Yeah, don't want to do that. And I want to work at unity. I want to work so at that's unity. The, that's just, the first step. I just want to do that. Are, are, uh, we don't even know what that means yet fully, but are, are we up for this ride? Like this, who who wants this, right? Right. And, but, but when you go in there, because you've experienced some healing and you've prepped for this, you're not going in there going. So what, 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 what that means is you need to stop doing because sure. that really, you're just going in to kind of say, here's us. Yes, here's what I know I've done. Right. 
there's some things that we'll need to talk through about, you know, what we've already talked about in the past, but I'd love to work at this. Okay, so let's say that there's verbal reciprocation, but you know actively there's not, or there's or not even, or they just even, say, or I'm like, not interested. Ah, I'm not interested or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so then, if it's a really cutoff, like not interested, then we're like, you're the one that hurt me. So what, what, what am I doing here? Or whatever, yes, whatever, wh maybe. whatever that might be. If it is a immediate rejection of that, mm -hmm. then you, then what you do is you go into a space of saying, my calling from God is to press into unity uh, over my lifetime. So one, I'm going to go back. I'm going to pray for another six months. I'm going to continue to work on me. And then in six to nine months, when God leads me, I'm going to come back again. Hey, can we grab some coffee a year later? And year over year over year, I'm just going to, I'm, I don't have to go knock on their door every month. I'm just going to, hey, I, I hate this. Essentially, repeat, repeat, repeat. All I'm doing there is saying, my, as I've always said to people, my porch light is, is, is on. You know, when someone has hurt you and you retreat into your house and, and they're out there, I've always said to people, leave the porch light on. Here's what you're communicating to them. When, when you're ready to engage, just know I, I, I'm ready. Now, the porch light on fits two categories for me. One is the category we're talking about now. You just continue semi-periodically to put it out there. If you ever want to work on this, just know I'd love to. If you ever want to work on this, just know I'd love to. The porch light is also on in this way. When you engage in this, if the person says, I'm willing to work on it, but you know in the past their pattern has been and then it continues to be in the future, they say they're willing to work on it, but their active actions continue to hurt you. Once you initially reveal, so let's say they've said, okay, we're willing to work on it. You have mm -hmm. the conversation, maybe some... You ask them, let's get somebody that we both trust to work through this. So they're really willing to work on it now. But their behaviors continue. There comes a time where the way unity exists is this. I want ongoing like relationship with you like in the dailiness or weekliness. But this particular thing you keep doing, we've talked about this now. It's not news to you. Continues to be very difficult. So for now, since we hurt each other in this way or you hurt me in this way, I'm having to put this sort of boundary in place. Now my porch light is still on and here's what that means this time. At whichever point you're willing to say that those behaviors, you see that they're damaging and you're willing to work on them and you're willing to acknowledge, man, those are damaging. I'm ready to jump right back in. In the meantime, I love you, I'm right here, but I'm not going to, nothing in the Bible calls me to have to be a doormat mm -hmm. to your bad behaviors. Now. So, so you're saying there's a difference between boundaries and yep. walls of hostility. A giant difference between boundaries and walls of hostility. Boundaries are the appropriate things we put in place where someone's ongoing behavior is detrimental to us or our family in a way that we're like, this is not changing. That can be a boundary without hostility. Now, in our cultural context, I mean human, boundaries and hostilities unfortunately are so intricately tied we tend to put boundaries up when we're when we're mad or when we're so deeply hurt if the boundary is a choice for health not a choice out of hurt or hostility then the boundary is a great boundary because what am i doing i'm doing my own personal work of healing i i'm forgiving them but a boundary is appropriate. This is the ninth time you've lied to me and said yeah, you're going to be You're just here. not giving the robber the key. I'm not giving the robber the key. Basically. That's, that's right. But I am but you don't saying, hate the robber. But I don't hate the robber, and I'm not mad. I, I get it. Now, yeah. this brings us to another piece of this. The biggest thing that helps us work on unity, once we're actually relationally working on it, this is not just me personally working on it, is understanding. The more I understand you, the more you understand me within our identity in Christ and your story in mine, 
the more we can understand why we do the things we do and give grace. Grace is afforded most easily when it's not like this hypothetical, unconditional grace. I don't know why you're hurting me so much. I don't know why you do it, but grace to you, grace to you. It's very different when I go, that's how your mind works, or that's where your previous hurts are, or that's, wow, so when you behave this way, though you don't necessarily want to, and you're working it, I get now why you do that. Now, that can be in a personality type of thing very sure. easily. I mean, that's my wife and my uh, journey constantly. My wife sees the world and behaves toward the world and experiences the world in the exact opposite side of, of, of me. So nothing that she experiences makes a whole lot of sense to me. And nothing I experience makes a whole lot of sense to her. But, but, but guess what? Now it does after 23 years because we have pressed into the understanding. Help me understand yeah. what on earth. So what you're saying there is that it's not okay when you keep hurting each other, that you're not giving them a pass for the, the, the damaging behavior. Yeah. What you're doing is you're saying, I understand where that behavior is coming from. Yes. And so giving you grace now is in the so process much more... of healing is so much easier. Mm -hmm. And then boundaries also. And so this all now starts wrapping together. Boundaries don't have to be all or nothing. So for example, if I have a relationship with someone and I know typically when we're doing these things or I'm trusting you for these things or I'm counting on you for these things, that's where you just constantly hurt me. Mm -hmm. But in these contexts of relationship, we're good. I might set up some boundaries here, but I might not set up boundaries here. So we've talked now about pure boundary, like there's not real relationship because your entirety of relationship hurts me. So yeah. that kind of thing, I'll just give an example. You have an extended family member that is struggling with an addiction. Mm -hmm. And so every time they come to your house, that they know Jesus, So because there's people that know Jesus and struggle with addictions, right? They come to your house, and inevitably, when they're at your house, they end up misusing realities at your house. They they steal some money from your purse, so that like I'm I'm being but know, like those kinds of things thing. might yeah. be a boundary where you like, look, my kids can't be exposed to that, or 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 they're extremely critical of everything. So every time they come to your place for three days, they just wreck your children, or maybe it's a sibling or a parent or whatever, and you're like. Every time we roll into this kind of space, by the time we're done, the residual damage to my family is extraordinary. Or maybe there is a hostility toward a spouse. And so every time there is uh, three days together, by the time you're done, your marriage is just because your spouse has felt shamed. And so those kinds of things, you figure out boundaries like where can we relate them? Maybe an afternoon visit. Is what, or the traveling, when we do that, we now have new boundaries as to how it's going to go in the house, and you have those conversations. And if those boundaries can't be kept, then you extend the boundaries. That's not a breakdown of unity, because like we've said, boundaries and hostility are two very, very different things. Right. Okay, so when you get into the space where you've done the personal work, you have had the initial conversations, and there's some sense of, okay, we're willing to work, it might be long-term, that's when this next category of understanding comes in. Now, the understanding category is also for the second piece of this puzzle. I don't have hostility necessarily. I just don't get along with my coworker very well. And you've said I need to build unity. What does that mean? The answer to that question is the same as the answer to this question. The beginning of building unity with someone who's willing to try is to understand. So that might be an ethnic difference. That might be a personality difference. might be a political difference. It might be a... a, a, a 
uh, even a, th a theological difference that maybe at first I'm like, I want to understand, because once I understand where you're coming from, it might afford us greater understanding, or it might at least clarify why you hate me, right? So, so one way or the other, understanding is going to clarify. So what do I want to understand? I want to understand personality type, and that may be of an individual, or it might be of a nation, right? Each nation has a personality type. Like, as I'll use the, like when you think of the Latino people, or you think of kind of the Caucasian people, we have certain, not there's some stereotypical things, but you have certain clear things that you like. That group of people, they're, they're more joyous and more, they tend to, and this group of people are more this. There's, there's always a personality to a particular group of people or a personality to a person. So one of the things I always say in Unity is work on what the personality is. If I understand your personality or a, a group, people group's personality, then some of the interactions we might have that might be frustrating for us, the clarity will create an ability to be, oh, no, I, I get you. And I know now that your motive for doing those things aren't what I thought they were, so therefore it's not hurtful anymore. The action itself you might talk really loud and seem like you're really angry about something. But when I find out, oh, you're not angry at all, that's just the way you talk. I'm like, oh, I've been hurt the whole time because I thought you were angry at me. You just talk like that. Now, do I love that you talk like that? Not much, but you're not angry, so I'm not hurt. The second thing is, I want to know your background. In other words, where are your hurts, your traumas? Now, this might be multiple conversations, but when I understand where you've been hurt or what kind of family of origin you grew up in or what your nation's traumas are, right, that helps me understand much better why you might be triggered by certain things or react in certain ways when I didn't do anything and you reacted yeah, and a certain way. This is especially important when we are seeking to be a church that is reflective of heaven, Yes, which heaven is every tribe, tongue, and nation yeah. worshiping at the throne, yes. right? We want to be as on earth as it is in heaven, which is yeah. the Lord's prayer, right? Yeah. Um, and so when we're seeking to be a church that is not monochromatic, yeah. but that has every ethnicity and yeah. every uh, nation and language that is represented in our community, we want that in our church. Yeah. And we want people to feel comfortable here. We want people to feel known here. We want people to feel welcome here. That skill set of learning to understand where people come from yep. is super valuable. That's right. And, super and so, so here's the thing as, as we're looking at the progression here. Let's say your starting point is I don't particularly have any hostility toward anyone. I just don't necessarily get along with this person at work or whatever, but they are a Christian and I want to fix that. Or maybe I get along fine, but yeah. I just don't engage with them. Yeah. So right. that's this category that we're already here, like sort of just start understanding, right? Yeah. If your categories before that, I'm very hurt or I've healed but there's not reciprocation. So wherever you are, you start here. If, if the hurt is in you, then you don't engage immediately. Building unity is self-healing. And when I say self-healing, you know what I mean by that, not like some weird, I mean engage with biblical community and the Holy Spirit to work on what's internal. So maybe internal healing versus self-healing. Sure. Then you're gonna move toward engagement and if there's willingness for work. And then appropriate boundaries where there needs time if if there's not or if there is, but there's behaviors that are damaging. Yeah. Then as that progresses, or you never had that, you're just it's just understanding. Unity is about me engaging you. Let's grab coffee or let's talk, or if it's in these categories, let's let's talk through these things. If you need groups to do it or mediation, great. If it's just you And that and that's kind of where like what Jesus talks about in Matthew 18, where he says, Okay, hey, if someone sins against you, yeah. 
go have a forgiving and clarifying yeah. conversation. Yeah. And if there's mutual forgiveness and repentance, then you've won your brother right. and we move on. Yeah. If not, hey, um, have that conversation, go back, do some healing yeah. as you talked about. But then the next step is I bring a neutral party yeah. who yeah. also loves Jesus and, and works through that. And so there's some practical, yes. like maybe we need some mediation. Maybe yeah. it's so serious that we need the elders of the church to be involved. And, and that's where some safeguards are And we've are always place, thought of Matthew 18 as like, I go to my brother who's sinning. I tell them they're sinning. They don't listen to me. So I go get another brother and we come in a, seek, in a meeting and catch them on the basketball court and go, now I got two because you didn't listen to me. Right. And then if that doesn't work, we roll in the elders. That's actually a description of this unifying journey. Right. Try by yourself. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't go well, right? then maybe ask them, would you be up for us maybe talking with someone that can help us talk through this? Maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a friend, a mentor, whatever, because this triggers both of us. So like for Brooke and I, uh, one of the things that we have loved most about um, our therapist, uh, Jim, who's awesome. So we go mostly every week, sometimes every other week, and it's just good preventive care for us. Uh, during our adoption season, it was it was more than preventive care. Sure. And now it's become something like, I'm like, what I love with, with Jim is sometimes Brooke and I trigger each other. Mm -hmm. Who knew, Yeah. right? And marriage. so there's these areas in our marriage where we've learned not to talk because anytime we go there, it just, it just doesn't go super well. And it's not like we like end up trying to kill each other, but it's just, so we reserve some of those spaces when we get into Jim's office and, 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 and we're like, okay, so here I'm safe to say some things to you slash you. Right. And what you can do is as I say them and triggers start happening, you can go, hold on, let's, let's hear this. Then as it's responded to and triggers start happening, eh, hold on. And by the time we're done, we're like, I think we just worked through something we really hard without like triggering right, and getting mad right, and leaving. Right. Sometimes in any relationship, that's just a really good space. Yeah. So Matthew 18 affords you that with a neutral brother or sister. Mm -hmm. And then yes, if, if that still doesn't go well and reconciliation hasn't taken place, then you kind of bring in people that might be able to help at a deeper level. It's not like bringing in the authority. It's like, it's, it's like people that are better people trained. That you, that you and trust their leadership yes. in your life. Hey, can you help right. with this? 100%. And, and so all that to say, now I think we've got an, an idea of what we're not saying in the sermon is, if there's anyone that you have hostility toward, call them tomorrow, make it better. It's like, oh no, this could be, you're working on unity could be category one, category two, category three. But it is working at understanding. I think as many things in the Christian life, the journey is a part of the, the story and the declaration of what God is doing, just as much as the result. Yeah. And so um, I love what Paul says actually in um, Ephesians 4, we're going to get there soon, where he says, um, he talks about... Um, you know, he's finished his prayer and we're going to get there this weekend. But then we turn to Ephesians 4 and he says, um, okay, so I'm going to urge you as a prisoner of the Lord to walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've been called. And that's this poema yep. calling, yep. right? As a community and as an individual, yep. Right. With all humility and gentleness, so this requires yep. that, with patience, yep. bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in yeah, the bond of peace. Right. So it's it's this thing that we, the unity of the spirit is this thing that we are by default afforded in Christ. Yes. So I have the Holy Spirit, you have the Holy Spirit. He's reconciled us both to him and therefore by default, we are reconciled yep. to one another. Yep. 
And yet we're called to maintain that unity. Yeah, to work at it. To work so, at it. So guess where we are back again, in the waffles, in the kitchen. Right? Totally. And so to me, I think what clarifies this whole thing for me in my mind is this. If creating unity between me and my extended family, if there's not or whatever, until I do that, I'm not fulfilling the mandate God wants. Now I've made something that's not mine to create, mine to create. Now mm -hmm. I'm back into, I need to get the waffles on the table. Yeah. We can't do that. We can't create Because there's unity. other hu humans involved, right. right? My calling here in these passages are participate toward unity. Yeah. Because Maintain often it. that will create unity. But when it doesn't, if you are participating toward it, either in internal work, in constant reaching out once the internal work is done well, or in the hard work of understanding, whether or not unity is realized on this planet is a work of God in both humans or the group of humans. My job is to participate. I'm mixing up the ingredients of unity and, and God will end the waffles up on the table at the very least in heaven, if not before. Right. My job is not to bring the waffles to God. Here's unity, God. Look, I figured it out because yeah. I helped them figure it out. Right. It's God, I am, I am not going to tolerate in myself hostility that I'm not working at. Mm, if it's there, good. I'm gonna work at it yeah. until it's not there. And then when it's not there, then I'm gonna go to the person and work with them until it's not there. Mm. And if it's never not there because they have it, I can't change that, but I'm gonna continue gently to press in over the years unt until mm. until I die. Yep. And again, that doesn't mean boundaryless and it doesn't mean every day. Okay, yeah. so I, I think that's, that's good. We don't have much time, but I wanna say, I want to kind of transition to the last piece in very general format because now that's all a discussion within the boundaries of one person who knows Jesus with another person who knows Jesus or at least claims to, right? Then there's this whole other world of what about all the people that don't claim to know Jesus, don't know Jesus, or don't have that? Okay, so... Um, Getting into the discussion of denominations and all that is for another time. We're not getting into details there. Here's what we're getting into now. Our primary calling as believers of Jesus toward one another and as believers of Jesus toward the people in the world is what? To love them. Yeah. Like the interesting thing is God doesn't say about unity. About unity, he says, be unified with one another. One another. Right. And he says, love Everyone. one another. Yeah, so well, yeah, so th yeah. those are both true. Yeah. But when he jumps from this space, he doesn't say, you don't need to be unified with the world and you don't need to love them. He doesn't right. say that. He right. says, you don't need to be unified with it. In fact, he says, you are not of the world. Right. You are not like the world. This is your, like, it, in fact, oddly enough, he says, don't be unified with them in the way I'm talking about unified here. Mm -hmm. But what he does say is, oh, you love them to right. death. Now, right. so what he's not saying is, you get to keep your hostility up toward an ethnic group you don't like as long as they're not Christians. The only people in a different it's ethnic really group important. you need to get along with are other Christians. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. The Bible does not say that. Right. The Bible actually says you need to love humans, right. believers or not, right. with the love of Jesus. Yep. He was extraordinary in including all nations. In that, fact, the entire and redemptive that, story and that is that. While we're, we were his enemies? Yep. He died he for us. He died for us. So yeah. your enemies, your people your that enemies. disagree with you, curse you, people <laughs> that have different yeah. religions than you, different yeah. philosophies than you, different yeah. doctrines than you, yeah. what is your attitude toward them? 
love. an attitude of yeah. love. Yeah. What That's is good. your attitude toward the differences you have with them? An attitude of love. Should you have boundaries in place like in this if they are behaving badly? To sure. sure. As in any case. Should we not tolerate uh, theologies that are not gospel-centered and actually on the, in that category stand firm and yeah. not be unified. You, you, yes. you see Jesus doing that. He, Jesus, you see false Paul teachers, doing that. Yeah. false religions. Yeah. For, should we, should we uh, stand for justice when people are genuinely creating injustice yeah. and see them uh, arrested if they're doing that? Like, yeah. yes, should. So certainly there's not a version of that where like just get along with everyone. Right. But we love them. So this now becomes an internal work. Mm. Any hostility within me toward any personality type, any ethnic type, any uh, uh, person, man or woman, any of those categories, that's a problem here and that will diminish love. Yeah. When there's hostility, love is diminished. So that same work of not being hostile is the same work for unity as it is for love. Hmm. So it's the same work internally as it is externally. Hmm. The difference is where I'm working in my hostility to break it down for both unity and love within the body. Yeah. I'm working against my hostility for love, love here. Why? Shouldn't I be unified? No, it doesn't mean you shouldn't. It means that there are things outside that will actually affect a unity issue. Sure. I am not unified uh, standing by in the same way with things that are opposed to well, biblical Well, because reality. we're not unified in Christ, and that's, that's right. the whole issue. And that's the whole we issue. Don't have the, we don't share we the don't, same spirit. We don't share the same and spirit. And that's the whole issue. And then right. one last thing with this that I, I know I'm literally going to skip a rock across the pond right now, okay. and maybe we can talk about this later, but but here's the thing. So within unity, now this is kind of this is going to sound almost opposed, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm not unified here in terms of unity, but I'm loving and I'm unified here, you would think what that means is I accept anything here because we're unified and I stand against anything here. But mm. it's, but it's oddly opposite. enough the opposite, okay? <laughs> and, and here's why. I love this. Unity demands that I now see you as a brother in Christ, a sister in Christ. And so I want for you uh, and for your life the freedom in Christ, which comes through the submission to the way of God and the word of God, right? Yeah. So when you are behaving in a way that opposes scripture or opposes the way of God, it is my duty because we're unified to gently step in with the word of God and the yep. spirit of God in gentleness and correct you. There's a beautiful verse I think you mentioned early on. Read that for me. Yeah, James 5, 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. It's so, so beautiful. Like yeah. part of unity actually demands the You don't let me get away with junk. I, I don't. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I dare to step in because yeah. we're unified. Right. So you would think unity means I accept you as you are and leave you alone. Heart and watch. disunity means I judge the world Reject constantly. Here's the hilarity. The opposite. Love demands that I'm going to treat you regardless of where you're at right now with great love. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to just tell you what you're doing is right, but I'm also, I'm not your Holy Spirit or your judge. Yeah. I'm actually called to love you and, and, and bring the gospel to you. Right. So the world should experience the Christians as some of the most loving, gentle, amazing people that love them and care about them. And Christians should experience others as loving and corrective. Totally. Here's what actually happens. 
we gather up and don't correct each other because we're unified and we spend all our time correcting the world, which we have no business doing insofar as certainly speaking to issues and speaking in relationship, but we should love here. So here's the beautiful thing. Unity affords me and demands me yeah. to keep an eye on you and yeah. you to keep an eye on me. Yeah. And not unity demands me to love you biblically, right. but not spend my whole time needing to correct, to correct you because you. you don't know Jesus yet. Right. So what am I bringing to you is Jesus yeah. so that when you come to know him and the spirit of God is in you, then I as a brother with the same spirit, a sister with the same spirit, can now begin to help you along the journey of submitting to that spirit just as you are just helping me. We're on the same journey. And so the irony is unity creates room for correction Wow. and disunity, or, or not, no, not disunity, the 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 clear not unified world versus us doesn't afford us that right. Isn't that interesting? Love affords us a different. Bring the gospel. So uh, this that was a quick skip, but that's generally what it what we were saying on Sunday. Work at unity. We were saying this: start here, do this, do this. If you're already here, then start working on understanding, because mm -hmm. that will bring about the ability to give grace and to begin to unify. Last thing. Anyone that you're unified with, if your personalities differ a tremendous amount, if you just, I mean, I don't get, I don't need to be best friends with everyone or get along with everyone, even on a, on a, on a, on a workplace with 50 people. Sure. There's people you're going to connect with uniquely and people you're not. And that's got to be okay. You don't have to get along equally with everyone, but if there are people that, that are believers that you feel frustration and hostility toward in a regular basis because of those differences, that does need to be worked on. So if you have that person in the office that has a different political view and all of your interactions or whenever you hear them talk, you're just like, then work at that. Work at understanding. See where you disagree. If there's a personality difference, that person in that office that always behaves this way and you just like drives you nuts, work at that. Mm. You don't have to be their best friend, but you can't be hostile toward them. Mm. That's what the scriptures is calling us to. Yeah. The world should watch and the cosmos should watch this simply this that i'm participating in pressing into unity wherever i'm able that's what they should watch yeah. what it produces is in the hands of god but i'm pressing into it yeah it's really cool that we get to to spend time now right the the sunday morning gathering is yep. a place for us to come to hear god's word taught to explore god's word together and it's a launching pad now for further conversations yep. i love that we get to have these conversations i love that people can listen in yep. Um, and I would just say, hey, uh, let this be a starting point, not yeah, an ending point of this right. discussion. That's right. Because it's a lifelong journey. Yep. Um, and as we come to God's word, we're asking, okay, God, what, how do you want to change us? How do you want to make us yep. more like you? What does this mean? What does this not mean? Yep. And that's just a part of the journey and a part of the process. And yep. as we engage in that, as we jump into the kitchen and as we say, hey, Dad, I'd love to participate in making the waffles. Um, man, what That's a joy right. that it is that they That's end right. up on the table That's right. and that we get to say, God, thank you for letting us participate. Right. And the beauty That's is great. this. I am not free because the other people that I'm in this struggle with decide to change their minds and we are reconciled. I'm free when my hostility is gone. Yep. Because one way or the other, if they're believers and I am, we're going to end up in heaven worshiping the same God, totally unified. Right. In the meantime, my freedom is that Christ has changed me by his spirit and I am engaged with him in participating toward unity. That's my freedom. What they do, that's up to them. I hope they reciprocate, but they don't have to. Yeah, cool. All right. All right, well, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this Thank time. Thank you, guys. So uh, fun to be with you guys. Lunch hour yep. with Renault, and we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Thanks, Joel. Yeah.
lot of fun.